Our scripture for the day is the book of Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 37. Now, the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it, distributed, it was distributed to each as they had need. There was a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field that belonged to him, then brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. There are two different kinds of people in this world. The first kind are those that when uh, jumping into a pool, uh, try to do it as beautifully and as gracefully as possible. Making as little of a splash as they possibly can. We call these people Olympic divers. Now I have no expertise in Olympic diving, uh, but when watching on TV, uh, that size of that splash, I'll be like, oh man, that one was bigger than the last one. And they try to do it as gracefully as they possibly can, make themselves as, as aerodynamic, make themselves as efficient, make sure their angle is perfectly right, uh, just to enter the water uh, almost as like a knife being pushed into butter. It's just so smooth. And then there's the other type of person that tries to enter the pool as recklessly and as loud with as big of a possible splash as they possibly can. Do I have any of those people in here? Any cannonballers in our midst? I like it. See, as one, they try to make themselves as aerodynamic as possible. Now, uh, the other group of people uh, that, that I belong to, uh, we try to make sure that we have as much surface area coming in contact with the water as possible. You want to get as big of a splash as possible. You want to hit that water like a sack of wet concrete so hard with that mushroom cloud plume and the sound of the vacuum of the, the, the air being sucked into the pool as it explodes outward in a splash that makes everybody in the pool look over to be like, man, is that guy all right? <laughs> and you know what's funny? is those Olympic diver types, and uh, we'll just call them the cannonball types, um, the way that they think about the, the science of water displacement. They're both very concerned about this. Uh, but no matter how much time, no matter how much training that they put into the size of the splash that they can make, the one thing that they both have in common 
is neither one gets to actually experience their splash. I mean, how many times have we cannonballed into a pool and you finally pop your head back up and you turn to your best friend and you say, how was that one? And then inevitably they're going to say that theirs was bigger because you can't prove them wrong, right? But you never get to experience your own splash, you never get to experience uh, just how high it can go, just how powerful it can be. You can control all the things that, 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 that you've been taught to control with launch angle and trajectory and uh, the pose and, and, and the form that you hold kind of jumping in and entering into the pool, but you will never experience just how high or just how far that impact will go. Just who will be impressed or who will be judgmental, all of those things are out of your control. And it's interesting because our faith really kind of comes in in a really unique way in these moments as well. As we've been talking about impact over uh, the last week and through the rest of the weeks of this month, um, we really experience these moments where we kind of jump out on faith. Um, some, some of us really want to make big splashes. Others of us really kind of want to make behind the scenes kind of unnoticed splashes. We just kind of want to uh, get into the pool as much as we can. But the thing is, is we will never truly know just how far some of those impacts will go. God does some incredible work in the moments that are outside of our control. The moments that give us the most anxiety, the moments where uh, we're, we're the least in control, God does God's best work. And so we find ourselves in our scripture um, in a very unique opportunity in the lives of the apostles. Uh, we find ourselves uh, just on the heels of Pentecost. Uh, the disciples have been waiting for uh, some time after Jesus ascended to heaven uh, for the moment um, to where the Holy Spirit would come, not knowing exactly uh, how big of a splash that Spirit would make, not, not knowing how big of an impact that Spirit would make not only in their lives, but in the city, they, they were waiting and they gathered to pray. And that sound like a rushing wind just took control of them and took them out into the streets and they began preaching, they began teaching, they began doing miracles in ways that they had never imagined before, but the impact of those miracles began spreading in a way that they never imagined before. The very same things that Jesus used to teach about, and the very same miracles uh, that Jesus used to do, now the disciples were doing, and every time they did it, it said that thousands and thousands of people would be added to their numbers each and every day. The disciples kind of cannonballing into this pool of building the church are now all of a sudden having an impact larger than anything that they've witnessed before. And really struggling with what does that mean with the splashes that they're making? Because some of these splashes that they're making are not going over so well for the people that usually and typically are in charge of not rocking the boat. You see, the disciples in the, the chapter right before what we've read, um, they've been gathering together to pray and to find opportunities to, to go and to share God's word, to, to share God's plan. And uh, one day, Peter and John, uh, they went to the temple during the hour of prayer, and, and there was a man that his friends uh, kept coming and, and, and bringing and leaving at the gate, the gate called Beautiful. 
And they would leave him there, right there at the front of the gate, uh, to beg for everybody that was coming to the temple. Uh, To beg for money or food or the basic needs that he had in life. And the afternoon that Peter and John uh, walked up to that gate, it said that Peter just saw him and, and looked intently at him, just almost the sense that, that, that Peter knew that, that this guy had a role to play in something so much bigger than what he'd imagined. And he said that he went up to him, and with as much that he needed money, with as much as he might have needed some basic things in life, Peter offered him something beyond what he could ever imagine. He said, no silver or gold can I give you. But what I can give you, I can give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. And so this man who, um, he was over 40 years old, um, not knowing if he's been crippled from birth or they've been bringing him there to that gate for decades, but everybody knew him, everybody knew his condition, stood up there at the gate and began uh, jumping up and down, began praising God, began walking with them. You almost have a sense that uh, maybe began running alongside them or running circles around them, but, but the excitement that this man had all of a sudden began to draw a crowd around him. And this one that used to be dropped off on the gate was now able to come into the community and come into the temple in a way that he never had before. And thousands of people got to be impacted by the small moment of Peter Peter noticing a man that for so many had just begun part of the terrain. Part of the landmarks that you pass in order to go and pray. But Peter decided to do something about it. Now, the authorities at the time, they didn't like this at all. They get just as frustrated with the disciples as they did with Jesus when Jesus kind of started rocking the boat and and changing things up and doing miracles when he wasn't supposed to and, and drawing attention from the crowds in ways that drew attention from everybody else that wanted power from the crowds. And so the authorities, they put Peter and John on trial and they dragged him in front of the court and they, they ultimately ruled that you can no longer preach and teach in Jesus' name. We don't want to hear about it anymore. You're making too big of an impact. You're making too big of a splash. You're rocking the boat too much and you just need to stop. And Peter says, well, let's see how that works out for you. And in fact, in, in, a, in a really weird way, it's almost as if Peter says, I wonder just how much bigger we can get this splash to go. Because not only are we not going to quit, but we are going to keep doing it more. And we are going to keep doing it more. And they begin launching a ministry that begins uh, meeting people's needs in ways that nobody had ever imagined before, that, that flipped over the tables of power, that flipped over the, uh, the, the sense of identity and who we are and welcoming people back into the community in ways that nobody had even experienced or dreamed was possible at that time. And it was making waves, but it was also transforming lives in awesome and incredible ways. Now, what's interesting about this is that Peter and John transformed this man's life without a single dollar bill 
with prayer, with recognition, with showing up, with willing to walk alongside him to bring him back into community, transform this man's life. Transform this man's uh, life in such a way that it transformed that entire community. And so in some ways, we can say that maybe money isn't everything. That we don't need money at all to be able to change lives. But then on the other hand, when we read the scripture, we find out why Peter and John don't have any money. Because they already gave it all away. They had already put their money. They had already put their generosity. They had already put the community to work. And saying that generosity has a role in the community, the way that we use our ties, the ways that we use our funds, the ways that we're financially generous has a role in the community, but it is not even the biggest role. It is a part of what we're called to do because that allows us to have an outreach that ripples out from us in ways that we may never experience or never know just what life was changed by that dollar or that gift or that tithe, but it goes alongside the gifts and the outpourings of prayer of healing, of seeing people eye to eye, seeing the worth and the value that they have and no longer leaving people uh, sort of sitting by the wayside waiting for help, but rather being the person that walks alongside them in grace and mercy and showing what it looks like when we begin bringing all of who we are together to be able to meet the needs of the community. And so in our sort of modern economic minds, we read this scripture with a little bit of fear and trembling, as they say. But as faithful Christians, we recognize that what this scripture is asking us to do is to bring our whole selves, our finances, our prayers, our gifts, our presence, to be a community of loving neighbors that is marked so much differently in our priorities and our focus on the purpose that God is calling us to than focused on anything else in the world. That funds played in a tremendous part of transforming the community, but prayers, but showing up, but being there for each other as good neighbors had just as important role of transforming the lives of those that they moved into. The way that the community came around people in, in amazing and tremendous ways. That there wasn't a needy person among them. And I guarantee you that there wasn't a needy person among them, not because they had all the money that they needed, but because people were showing up in love. Because people were sitting with those that needed companionship. Because people were uh, going over and helping those that were in need, that needed some extra assistance. They were showing up in ways that were needed. And giving all that they were giving and not holding back any one of the areas of their lives from the purpose and the calling that God had poured out on their lives. When we talk about impact generosity, a lot of times that focuses mostly on the money. That focuses on budgets, that focuses on ministries, that focuses on the ways that we tithe, that we give financially, but really... What we're talking about is the way that we show up for the purpose that God has called us to. The impacts that we have in jumping into that, uh, that, that pool or that lake or that ocean that God is calling us to have an impact in. And we have no control over how high that wave can go or how high that splash can go or just how wide those ripples can spread. Because we see what happens to it when God gets a hold of it. We see what happens to it when we respond faithfully together. 
Because we need each one of those people that jump into pools. We, we need the people that work behind the scenes that don't really want recognition or to be noticed, that just kind of like to uh, slip in and, and do that background work that uh, they're not gonna get credit for, but that's fine because they don't wanna get called out anyway. And, and we need those people that, man, they just jump in big. And they make big splashes and they get up on stages and hold microphones and volunteer in, in, in really large and difficult ways. But we recognize that the splash that we can make, that if uh, it was just people jumping in or if it was just people trying to slide in and make no splash at all, the impact that we have is when we all jump in together. When we all give of everything that we have, our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. When our ties are put together at the same time that our prayers are put together. When healings happen at the same time that ministries are funded. When, when God works in ways that are so much larger than what's right in front of us, but ripple out in ways that we can never fully experience. So we sent out two things this last week. And some of y'all may have gotten it this weekend. Some of y'all may have gotten it uh, in the mail here in the next couple days. But uh, there's uh, some statements that have gone along with people that have made financial gifts through this last year, just to let you know where that giving is. Uh, but there's another letter that's coming with a stewardship letter from myself and an, an estimate of giving card. And this estimate of giving card uh, for the next two weeks until October 23rd is a prayer tool for you. It's a prayer tool for you or your family uh, to begin to pray over about how financially uh, you can impact uh, the ministries of this church to impact the community, uh, to help us move forward in that vision and that mission that God has given us for. And I worked hard on this card. I did. Maybe, maybe more than, than, uh, than I should have. <laughs> but this card has its faults. This card falls short in some pretty profound ways because it cannot fully capture the true generosity that you give. And so when we ask if uh, there's a portion of your income that, um, that perhaps you would like to take the step because you've never been able to at this point in your life to be able to uh, maybe step up to a, a tithing lifestyle, of if you've never done it before, maybe one or 2% of your income, or if this is something that's a discipleship practice for you and, uh, and you're committed to 10% of your income, if that's something that you can commit to. But, but every time you pray, I, I want you to realize that that's not just a prayer for financial impact. This is a prayer for needing those that will volunteer, needing those who will pray. Needing those that find unique ways out into the community like Peter and John who are going back the regular days of their lives and they saw one person that everybody else had been walking by and just been uh, sustaining with maybe uh, just the bare minimum of what they need and they took a moment to have a conversation and that conversation empowered and inspired by the Holy Spirit transformed that man's life. I can't capture that impact on the card. But what I can ask you to do is to ask yourselves, what kind of impact can this church have if we all do this together? If we all look at our financial impact, if we all look at our prayerful impact, if we all look in the ways that we move into this mission and vision that God has steered us toward right here in this small part of our kingdom of God, just how big that impact and that splash can be. Because there are so many needs in our community. 
And like I said last year, over the last couple of years since COVID, uh, we have lost over $100,000 in giving. Um, there is 180 less people contributing than we had at the end of 2019. Now that's significant, but at the same time, that's not uh, anything more than God asking us to reimagine and revision what we can do here together. And so as this is a prayer tool for you until October 23rd, and I'm, I'm going to be taking them after the 23rd as well, but, but I want you to use this time until October 23rd to use this as a prayer tool. And then after October 23rd, it moves from bringing a prayer tool for you to being a planning tool for the leaders of our church and how we begin to prioritize ministries and the ways that we begin to reimagine and rethink that uh, we can align our staffing, the use of our buildings, our budgets, and our finances to uh, be able to be most impactful for this community. And so there's significant ways that we talk about money and budgets, but at the same time, what I want to talk about is impact. That each and every one of us have something so much more to give than what we have. Because when we all come together and we begin pouring in out of the generosity that God has given us with our gifts and our talents and our prayers and our presence and our witness and our testimony, those things that marked that early church, those things have an impact larger than you can ever imagine. So just five years ago, our step-up ministry, um, which is our our ministry from 4th, uh, 5th, and 6th graders here at the church five years ago was, was really struggling. Uh, we had had a period where there just really wasn't that many kids in, um, in kind of that age group in the life of the church. Uh, our children's ministry had just gone through some really difficult transitions. Um, we had had some different areas of kind of moving different budgets around and rethinking and and Step Up was just kind of an area that we really grieved because it just seemed like we couldn't really get any traction. And so to add on to that, the complication of a pandemic that started at the beginning of 2020 and uh, the ways that relationships were stretched and ministries and budgets were stretched. And we began to see that that particular ministry just really was having a difficult time. But we've been praying over it. And for the last two or three stewardship seasons, we've been praying over the children's ministry and, and that particular area and what we can do. And so we've began to see that as we've uh, continued to invest in our children's ministry program, we've continued to pray over it. We've continued to uh, talk to leaders and parents and, and unique ways of how we can continue to, uh, to pour God's love into that particular age group that uh, is difficult because they find themselves sort of in that in-between of life, they're, they're, they're not quite in the children's ministry and they don't want to be with the babies anymore, but uh, we certainly don't want to put them with uh, the older youth and the teenagers just yet because there's so much differences. And, and, and this in-between group has, has had such a rough time. And yet, just this last year, we've began to see that ministry transform in an incredible way. Years of prayer, years of funding, uh, years of volunteering, uh, of people leaning in in some really unique ways. Uh, three different parents that have had visions of how they can help through that age group in Sunday school to on Sunday nights to, to have different mission trips. They've begun to have movie nights. Uh, one of the teachers suggested that they take them on a paintball trip. 
and then suggested that I go so they can all shoot me. So there's still some more prayer to be had. But that group, as I move into youth ministry in two years, will double the size of our youth group right now in profound and impactful ways. They will transform the future generation of ministry here at this church simply because of the way that you have planted seeds over the last several years and poured into them in amazing and unique ways. We begin seeing these small little moments that somebody says, hey, I've just got an idea or I see a need and I'm just going to put it out there, not realizing the impact that it can have, began to sprout. Maybe not even just right then at the moment, but over years, we begin to see lives being transformed in waves and ripples and splashes that we never could have possibly imagined. For years, we've been struggling to have a youth worship band to what we can do to provide some worship experiences for youth on Sunday nights or on Wednesday nights. And would you believe it? It's some of the youth that have stepped up and said, we want to do this. We want to take charge of this. And so they've started singing their own praise. They've started uh, bringing together other youth that that play uh, instruments. And they've been having uh, their own worship experiences as a youth group together. Ways that there's not really ways that I can fund that ministry or or ways that I can lean into it in the, the current climates that we are. And yet we've been seeing the ways that God takes prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness and multiplies them and ripples them out in ways that we never could have fully imagined. We have everything we need to impact this community and transform lives right here and right now. And how we jump into that pool together determines just how large that ripple and that splash will go that can help transform this world. Amen and amen. Will you pray with me this morning? Almighty and gracious God, we give you thanks. Lord, we give you thanks for your Holy Spirit. We give you thanks for your grace and your mercy because, Lord, you have called our whole self to this work of serving you. Lord, everything from our pocketbooks to our prayer rooms, Lord, uh, to the ways that we notice others and walk alongside others in life, help us to do so following after you. Because even a little can become a lot when it's in your hands. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.